This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Since the horrific attack by Hamas on Israeli civilians on the 7th of October, I've had mental health experts as my guests on my show to talk about the impact the attack had not only on Israeli society, but global Jewry. We are close to five months since that day, and I thought it'd be useful to once again check in with a professional. And that is why I'm absolutely delighted to have clinical social worker Ariel Sussman as my guest now. Ariel, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Cherise. Ariel, I think it's just about exactly a year since you were last my guest on the show. And then at that time we spoke about Boxburg. Sure. I can't believe it's just been a year, a little bit over a year. Um, and I always feel quite strongly that Boxburg should have a street named after you for the contribution that you made following that awful explosion. Um, do you still have any contact in Boxburg? So very minimal contact. I really wanted to go back on Christmas and visit and I think that a lot has happened within our community and all the gentlemen who assisted me, La Clave, were just really, really busy. But just, yeah, I think it's an experience that will be with me and I think whoever was involved forever. Sure, it was really hectic. And just to let those who don't know, you volunteered your service as a trauma counsellor to the members of Boxburg that were affected. And I remember so clearly standing there one of those days and somebody saying, where's the social worker? Where's the social worker? We need her now. And that is the impact, you know, you can provide food and clothing and all the rest, but at at some point it's the emotions. I think the emotions and the connection. People need connection. I think we're all so, so desperate for connection. Which brings us right to the topic of today. Where is our community holding? So, Sharice, I think we're all aware not in a good space. I think that as you you started off the show with the absolute devastation, the trauma, the horror of October the 7th, plus living in South Africa, our own challenges, our own financial challenges, our own familial challenges, our own work-based challenges, I think unfortunately we found our community, I would say, in a space of crisis. In a space of real, real trauma. Okay. Do you want to just break us up into our age groups? Is that a, a smart yeah, way to do I it? I think we can. I think the we're all impacted and affected. I think that every family, every individual has their way of managing all these different, call it traumatic, stressful, whichever word resonates with you, experiences that we've been coping. I think where we are seeing a lot of, I almost want to say the volcano that's erupted. I say to people, I believe each one of us have sat with different stresses that have been building and building, even if you go pre-COVID, into COVID, post-COVID, how if we reflect and we spend a little bit of time reflecting on ourselves, those little areas that have built and built and built. And now what I find that we're seeing within the community, and I would say mainly, and I stand to be corrected, in our older age group, I want to say our 40s and above 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year olds, those volcanoes are exploding. They're absolutely erupting. And that naturally, as a parent in my 40s, a parent in my 50s, a parent in my 60s, 70s or 80s, that naturally then has a ripple effect on our children. 
some of us have grandchildren, our children's children, and definitely um, blessed to work in a school in the mornings. The challenges that our children are facing, challenges that we were blessed never to have experienced. My three-year-old's favorite is, is it load shedding time now? What three-year-old five, six, I go to my eight-year-old, ever knew what load shedding was. So I think that every age group is impacted and affected, and it all plays out totally differently. So are the coping methods the same or different? I think they're different. I think coping mechanisms for each individual is different. And where I've seen a lot in my private practice is that people are struggling with what are my coping mechanisms. So it's always almost going back to all the way down to our foundation and saying maybe coping mechanisms that worked for me pre-COVID, five years ago, 10 years ago, really, really worked. But at the moment, I can't access it and it's not helping. And it's what I said to you around, I think that people, and I know we're busy and we are all rushing from one meeting to the next, one appointment to the next, one lift scheme to the next. It's, it's just go, go, go. But it's really taking the time to say that if my tank, my battery is depleted, how do I give to anybody in my household? And how do I fill that tank? How do I fill or recharge that battery, I believe, with coping mechanisms, but that resonate and work for you? Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to come back to the coping mechanisms, but I'm just reminded, and it's probably because it was written by a friend of mine. Mm. There was an article in the Business Day today and it was written by Michael Schmidt. And I'm just going to see if I can quickly call it up. And he starts off by saying social... Well, the heading is, the title is Social Mobility Can Also Take You on a Downward Path. And he says, A friend of mine told me that during the pandemic, a horrific total of nine people she knew personally committed suicide. Yeah, okay. So it's every community, and I feel the Jewish community maybe more so because we are still feeling the impact of the 7th of October. And in fact, I think one of the, the psychologists or social workers I had spoke about chronic chronic trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we still in... Absolutely. I, I, just Sorry, mm-hmm. just once again, for those of us who don't know, what is chronic trauma? And um, I think for me, you know, chronic trauma really speaks to that ongoing almost feels like relentless trauma that I move from one difficulty. So let's go back to life. A lot of us didn't look peachy and amazing pre-COVID. We then get hit by COVID, which impacted and affected each and every one of us, community and the wider community. So as we just see, our, our layers of trauma building, then we come into a space of, let's say, load shedding or not having water. That, to a degree, definitely impacts us. Can I wake up and get my day going? Do I have lights? Can I end my day with a shower or a bath? Do I have water? And I think it's just building and building to people's financial stresses, really, really huge amount of struggles. Are my relationships working? Another element of trauma. So I think it's just this continuous, almost like a stepladder or a layer, like an onion, where it's just one layer on top of the next, on top of the next. And I think where we've seen the huge increase at the moment around attempted suicides and suicides in the community is where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? 
So you were saying just before that uh, we, 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 we're all rushing and we need to refuel our own batteries. As it were, in the plane, put your own mask on Your own on mask first. on. <laughs> and I think it's help. a difficulty and it, it's really that because <laughs> if we don't put that analogy of that mask on the aeroplane on ourselves, I'm not going to be able to help the passenger next to me, in front of me, or behind me. So the, the, our, our age group, 40 plus, mm-hmm. what, what should we be doing apart from slowing down? So I think slowing down and breathing is huge. Um, a lot of people say, oh, I've heard of that, and oh, it's not for me but really to breathe, to stop, and proper breathing in through our nose, call it for four seconds, holding it and releasing for a good five to six seconds. And often people say, but Ariel, I feel so dizzy. And it will be because, Sharice, you are not breathing properly. You know, we're almost stress breathing the whole time. So what can some of us do? I think that it's first and foremost knowing we're not alone. And people would argue that, in that I feel alone, and I feel that people don't understand. And yes, maybe your spouse doesn't get it. Maybe your children don't understand where you're coming from, or you're not comfortable to share with your children. Maybe it's not feeling like I've got any friends or any connections, because people are so busy. And I think that's where it's about being creative. I think it is knowing that we are so blessed internally as a community with so many resources from the Hebra Kaddish's 24-hour helpline. If you don't want to go internally in the community to Lifeline, to SADC, which is a South African depression and anxiety, who also have a 24-hour helpline. So sometimes it's not within our immediate space we access the support and someone to hear me and someone to listen to me. Sometimes we need to step out. And there are professionals and lay counsellors and community members who are there. Ariel, what are the signs and symptoms that we should look at, even if we are not the ones to help? And I I imagine you would actually caution against lay people helping. I think where the lay person plays such a pivotal role is I sit next to my colleague every single day at work. Other than just saying, good morning, Sharice, how are you? And then kind of rushing off, because as I said, that's what we do. (laughs) Really hearing, how is Sharice? How are you looking? Do you look tired? Do you look depleted? And yes, I agree that it's not for that lay, in inverted commas, person to engage in the deep psychology and therapy, but that may just be you needing me to hear you. I'm not great, and I'm struggling. Okay, Sharice, can I sit down with you? Can I help you with resources? Do you want to chat? And I think knowing where the chat needs to be moved on, needs to be passed on, because this is beyond me. And I think even as a therapist, a lot of the clients that I see in private practice, I have to refer to a psychiatrist because chemically and medically, it is beyond my ability to assist from a therapeutic point of view. Beyond chatting, you see... I mean, you're talking about the 40 to 80-year-old. Let's talk about the elderly in our community. Okay. Okay? They don't go to work. Okay? But they're probably watching television. And they probably watch when they they don't have low chilling. When they don't have low chilling. And they have water, yes, right? So so that can we just focus a little bit on the stresses? Absolutely. And I think for me, one of the biggest stresses that comes to mind off the bat is loneliness. So are we as younger generation, are are my children 
making a plan, for example, to visit our old age homes? Are we aware of elderly who are living and, you know, maybe it's a beautiful initiative by a school to take on or a youth movement to take on to say if we're aware that there are five elderly people living in this building, can we once a month on a Sunday pop in, visit, get our children to draw cards? I think it's being proactive which is ironic in that I started off by saying to you that so many of our batteries feel depleted. So it's, Ariel, almost where must I find this energy from? Where, where, where? But I really believe that if you just had to reach out, even visit the old age home, go have a tea, bring, bring a little sweet, a sparkle, doesn't need to cost anybody a fortune, and have a chat, you'll see how much you walk away with your tank actually filling refueled, your battery being from 2%, which feels like a lot of a percentage, to even if it's on that 15, 20%. And, and that's where I really think about it's now empowering ourselves to empower those who are sitting feeling alone and lonely. And financial stress. I mean, that's what Michael Schmidt's article was kind of focusing on, is what it's like to come down a full notch. And I think it is a petrifying, scary space. I think it's a space that is saying to people, can I afford my home? Can I afford my basics? Can I afford food? Can I afford my car? And I think it puts people into a very, very dark, deep hole. But again, Sharice, it's asking that one person to assist you, to guide you. Am I going to the Chev to assist me? If I'm not comfortable with the Chev, who is connected. And I think one of the biggest blessings in our community is that so many of us are so networked. Ariel, come sit with my broker. Let's see how my broker can assist you. I've seen that Orsamach put out an incredible program that they're running, like a part series on finances to assist the community from having a simcha to how does finances impact our relationships. And I think, Sharice, it's about the stigma. And it's knowing that as alone as you feel, whether it's in a relationship with your financial situation, you're not alone. So let's talk about the stigma. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the stigma is very, very real. I think with it. Why? I think mental health for a very long time. If you look at almost, again, (coughs) pre-COVID, the stigma around mental health, I sort of feel that one of the blessings out of COVID has been that we need to address mental health. We've got to talk about the place and space where people are sitting, that in order for me to be effective in my job, what does my mental health space look like? Am I accessing the support? And I think that with the the huge amounts of suicides and overdoses and attempted suicides we've seen in our community, I'm hoping that the space that you're all creating on the radio, the huge programs that are coming out from different organizations are saying we now need to stop and break that stigma, that you're not alone. How do we as professionals equip ourselves, upskill ourselves? How do we make our community more cognizant to be checking? You know, if we are part of a shul or a youth movement, let's all divide the numbers of community members and call and say, Sharice, you know, I haven't seen you on a Friday night. I haven't seen you on a Shabbos. How are you? We'd love you to come. Again, that depleted battery being filled and recharged 
by doing and reaching out for others. Ariel, you spoke about refueling yourselves for others. That, that, and you have explained nicely, I think, on, um, that in giving more, we recharge ourselves. But what extent do you think we are just giving off negativity? I think there's huge negativity. And that is also, we've looked at the, the kind of elderly. What about our kids, the negativity? I think our, the power of speech, and I go back to social media. What are we, as call it the, the adults, you know, in the home, what are we watching? Are we choosing to tune into traumatic images, to traumatic audio? Are we choosing to tru- tune into videos of unity and people who've assisted, weddings that have taken place, um, the good that's being done, you know. Um, And then what is the narrative that we use at home? Is it always, oh, it's load shedding again. Oh, we don't have water. Like I said, I have a three-year-old who is never sure if we're load shedding or the power's on, and this is his narrative. But it's showing that, look, boy, we're so blessed. We've got candles. We've got an emergency light. So you're right. I think it's, it's stopping being mindful, what is my narrative? Because it's so easy at the moment. And I think everyone deserves the platform to feel not okay, you know, Sharice. And I always say, if I could have a branding of clothing made by Ariel, it would say it's okay not to be okay. And I really, really believe it. It's okay not to be okay, but then we need to move forward from there. Ariel, I think we have to use Craig indicating that we actually have gone a little bit over time. Okay. Um, but it went really, really quickly. I hope you'll be my guest again. It would be an honour. And, um, yeah, it's okay not to be okay and reach out. Absolutely. Because, because reaching out in stigma is a lot better than, than ending sitting at in all. silence. Yeah. And just quickly, something that came to mind yes. is that trauma may have written the first few chapters of our story but it doesn't get to write the ending. And I really believe that healing is the authorship of our resilience, turning our pain into possibility and rewriting our narrative with strength and hope. That is a beautiful note to end off. So thank you very much, Borda. Thank you, Sharice. Ariel Sussman, clinical social worker.